Hi, everyone. Welcome to 50 File. This is Colleen on this beautiful fall day. Hi, Cindy. Hi. Oh, my gosh. It is so gorgeous. We, we talk about this a lot on our podcast about how beautiful our hometown of Sun Valley, Idaho is. But we just spend a minute on fall, Colleen, because it is gorgeous. It's unbelievable. We have the most eye vibrant colors. It, the landscape here, when I, I can't help but photograph every time I'm hiking. It's the same. I'm looking around, I'm taking video, I'm sending it to my mother. I'm, I'm, I, if I, in my camera roll today, Charles asked me to look at some photos. He's like, why are you just photographing all these trees? And I said, they're just so beautiful. And I would have never, until I lived here, I just never would have known Idaho would be this state with all this beautiful uh, fall colors. We always think of the, the Northeast, don't we? We think of the pictures that we've referred to all these years or the scenes, it's always, it's like, move on over. Idaho is absolutely gorgeous. Well, the mountain towns of, if, you know, are filled with the aspens and they just, and the, um, here we have cottonwood trees along the water, along the rivers and things. And they just are on, they're just lit up on display in the fall with the reds. There's maple trees that are red and then the yellows and the just bright yellows and golds. It's just extraordinary. It's been so fun and so kind of inspiring. I when know. you go outside, you just are awestruck. It's, I just got, I, I yeah. hung out for a minute on a hike when Brad and I just were coming home just now from one. We were lucky enough to hang out with one of the local celebrities here. <laughs> I'll name drop just for the heck of it. But really? Peter, Satira, Peter Satira, as you know, Great. Sure. Has a home, yeah, has a home here. He's of Chicago, the band fame, the lead singer. And he was up on, uh, as we were leaving our hike, he was starting his with his dogs and he couldn't talk enough about how beautiful. And he said, this is the greatest hike too, because no one's here. Mm -hmm. And he would have to worry about that being recognizable. But um, it is true. We were on kind of an obscure part of our valley on a gorgeous hike in the beautiful colors. We saw Britt as well, our friend Britt Palmetto. But anyway, so the point is, um, that it was fun to run into Peter and talk about how beautiful it is. And then we talked about how crowded our town is, how on the weekends, it still looks like it's Labor Day weekend or something, even though we're into, you know, mid going into mid October, when normally we start to slow down around here. It's a resort. I said, it's so crowded and crazy. I was wondering, do you think there are just the locals? Like we have so many people that have moved to the Valley or are there events going on? Because we've had a lot of canceled events, but, and I hate to say this, but I do think there are still weddings being hosted here. And I don't know if there's a lot of people coming in town. Matter of fact, we have a wedding this November, which um, they have a, a really interesting solution, Cindy. Instead of having, you know, there's, there's limits on the size of the wedding. So now, because there's been a few and there's been an outbreak in COVID a bit on the rise again, and flu season approaching, they are doing uh, two two venues. So at one venue will be the older people, which I hate to even say, I probably will be part of that. It will be the the wedding part, the wedding party, the younger people will be at one venue. And then, okay, so what's gonna happen is this. This is the, this is wow. my, we're gonna have two separate venues, 50 and maybe 50, 40 and 40, who knows who's gonna come. And the bride and groom will sell, they'll have their service, but then they'll celebrate half the reception with the older group and do that little festivities. Then they will go over to the next venue and do the same thing with their younger group. 
And then whiskey jacks can open up maybe to a larger number for the dance party. And this is after we got a phone call from the, you know, the Valley that they're really, they really have to keep the numbers. I mean, I've been hearing a lot about this. So, well, that's very creative. I thought so too. I was like, okay, well, they're making the best of the scenario. You know, well, normally this week marks the trailing of the sheep event in our valley, which is hysterical and adorable and part of being an old mining and farming environment and um, livestock environment. They move the sheep out of the um, high country and back down into the low country for the winter. And so they often have and have for years, I think, have this trailing of the sheep event this weekend. And it was I remember Christine having just turned 20 on the 5th of October and she had her first birthday away from home because, Mm -hmm. well, she was in L.A. last year, but I was nearby. So mm-hmm. this was her first birthday that we all haven't been together. And she did great in New York, but happy birthday, Christine. And happy I always remember calling that um, her very first event out, out in the world when she was newly born was at the trailing of the sheep. That was her first thing she did. But anyway, yeah. So we don't have any of those events, but it's still totally crowded because people are traveling the United States of America. They're not traveling outside of it. You know, the U.S., right people and so Americans and so you know the mountains are such a focal point and a destination and the national parks as well and it's kind of exciting to be able to be part of it but you're about to go on your boondoggle we talked about that in our last Mm -hmm. podcast any day now and then Brad and I have decided to hit the beach now that it's ever so slightly turning cold, we've had such an Indian summer. It's been so warm. Now it's starting to turn into the 50s. So it's motivating us in the next week or so to head down and enjoy 70 something weather on the beach. See, now you have the luxury. This is where all of a sudden, when we get to that empty nesting, that's yes. dreadful and painful, right? That yes. uh, those weeks of Christine being gone, it's, a, it's an adjustment. It's sad. And there's like days where you're like, I can do this. And other days you miss her so much. But then to have this freedom and this opportunity to be able to leave the valley, like you said, we watched all these families in the past when we were raising our kids here. I used to look ahead and not really wish time away, but I used to think this Sun Valley is so wonderful. But once we do get that cold snap, and I find November here to be a month I always like to be gone, it's quiet. I mean, maybe there'll be a lot more people here because there have been, there's just so many people that have moved here. But I'm excited for you. You're going to really enjoy this time. And you know, I'm going to share with you. You were going on about the foliage here and the beauty. One of the things, this is like something I used to do years ago with Charles, but Charles loves to fish. This is my husband. And he had asked me a a few weeks ago, like, why don't we go? It's, it's the South Fork river. It's the South Fork area, which is still in Idaho, like Swan Valley, Idaho, Cindy. So we went fishing and, you know, I had a guide. So I had somebody really helping me do the line, help me do the casting. And I, the day, the the weather was beautiful, but here in Swan Valley, Idaho, we're a little bit like behind. They had lost a lot of the leaves. The color wasn't as vibrant as, I don't know what happened there. If it it happened a little sooner is what I thought. Yes. I was surprised by that. But like you had said, it was an Indian summer. I'm on the boat. The fishing wasn't that great. Even with a guy, we weren't catching a lot of fish, but I'm not going to complain, but I did. That was something that reminded me when I was with Charles that we used to do that when we were dating, like, and newly married. And sometimes it, it's just kind of come full circle. That's adorable. Like when you go on your trip 
you and Brad going on the trip alone, because for so long we've had our, our people, our peeps with us that it's like, it's just, it's kind it's fun. It's just, it is. I, I think it's just, it's fun. Well, to I've decided that I'm just going to focus on the three T's and one of them is travel and that idea that you don't have all your little loved ones in tow. So it gives you the freedom to move around a little bit more. Tennis, you and I can attest to how much fun we're having playing tennis together and with at our club. We're lucky enough to have these beautiful tennis clubs here. And then TV is my other T. Hopefully Colleen and I in this writing um, program and um, we've hired a couple of writers. We've talked about that on the podcast to help us um, with an idea for a television show, taking basically our podcast and some of what we've talked about so much here on the road and with COVID shutting Hollywood down and New York and Broadway and all of that, we're having fun with this writing project, but we might end up on TV. But in the meantime, I'm watching TV, Mm -hmm. including Mm -hmm. all that we've talked about with all the different amazing Netflix series and, you know, prime series, like your favorite and you've turned me onto it and now everyone loves it. Um, Schitt's Creek, which just took the Emmys and swept them and everybody's nuts about that show and we're in love with it. But I just finished watching a lot of French Open because it's com- it combines two of my T's, TV <laughs> and tennis. And it was, you know, like so many sporting events, um, the French Open, the U.S. Open that happened only a few weeks ago uh, have been luckily um, held and televised, but at different times in the year that the, than they're normally held. But it's just interesting um, to have just finished watching the French Open in October. Normally it's in the spring. So that was kind of fun. And I wanted to say the winners, hopefully no spoiler alert now when you listen to this, but Rafa Nadal won the men's singles championship. And then out of nowhere, this little 19 year old who basically just graduated from high school recently, she's a juniors player. She won the ladies championship and not just as a fluke underdog, she took the thing and swept it. And they, John McEnroe was commentating and saying he could just see her winning time and time again, but her name, she's from Poland, Iga Svantec, I think. Mm -hmm. And she's adorable, 19, so innocent, so sweet. But the reason I'm bringing all this up is because I did tell Colleen, I wanted to talk about this one thing that she said with perfect English when interviewed, she's known for bringing quite an entourage for a young person. And part of that is family coach. And then she has a sports psychologist, which is becoming more and more the rage for athletes. Mm -hmm. And this sports psychologist, she gave credit to in her acceptance speech or interview by saying, you know, when asked, how did you, how did you play an entire two weeks of the French open without dropping a set, including in the final, she won in two sets sweepingly. Um, How did you do it? And she said, well, I really work with a sports psychologist and she has helped me understand that you have to have low expectations. That's so intriguing to me. Low expectations, because normally we think of being really positive mentally in order to succeed. But in this, she was very clear that when you have too high of expectations, at least in sports, that sometimes you put undue added pressure on yourself in a situation and it can actually pile on and add to what might be an overwhelming, what's already an over the top, you know, um, uh, kind of situation for your senses and nerves and all of that. 
So I just have to say that was so cool. And it reminds me of something my mother would tell me my entire life, my sweet mama. She would say, have the highest hope, but the least expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of in line with what Ika and her sports psychologist who now will be famous and will get so much even more work than Charity has, low expectations. So that's what I wanted to share. And what do you think of that call? Well, first off, I love the way your mom phrases that. That's really so beautiful. I, I was wondering, as you were saying that she's only 19. Okay. So it reminded me that I was, I've been, I've taken a class. I'm not going to reveal what class, but I was sharing with you, Cindy, I'm on zoom all last week, every day from eight to five 30, which was really a challenge for me because it's a lot of material. I'm not used to staying indoors like that, but On Friday, I had a test and we'll talk about, I could talk about test anxiety and memorization and all that, but I did pass. But one of the things I was finding myself saying all week to your point is I was making it like, I don't know if I'm going to, how well I'm going to do. Now I was taking the time and preparing to do well, but I was giving myself that safety zone. Like I'm going to undersell and over deliver. Like it's the same approach, maybe like protecting myself. And doing the work to want to do well. But as you were talking, so I do that a lot. I'll say, I'll say it out loud. Like I'd rather undersell myself and over deliver as opposed to falling short. If I would, if I'm 19, I can totally understand that. Do you like when we play tennis, if she was a reigning champion show, say she went, she wins the French open this year, next year, when she comes back, I did not watch this. Um, I, I wish I had, maybe somebody's recorded it. I don't have it, but I would love to watch their match. I saw the very end of Nadal and Chokovic, but when you win a title to play the second year must be even more pressure. Like here she is, she's young and vibrant. She's the freedom and the ability to not let her nerves really get in the way because there are, it's not, there's no expectation of her winning. That's when I think it must, that's when I really think I need a sports psychologist. You and I do it when we play tennis together, right? Like say we're on the court, like we played Saturday. So say you and I, say you and I, you had another partner two weeks ago and I won with my partner. You're naturally going to come on the court. Just like if I didn't win, I'm going to beat them. And and we put ourselves under all this pressure, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, because it's just so, it is such a mind game, but um, I'll be curious to see how she, her career um, unravels because I think it's easy the first time, but once you win the title, don't you agree with that a little? hundred percent. There's so many examples of that very thing, Colleen, and talking about tennis because we love it. And we're on that subject. I'm thinking of Muguruza. I'm thinking of, um, Anna Ivanovich. Remember her? These are women that came out and won their big championship and they have only, you know, not that one is only, but they haven't been able to perhaps recreate it um, maybe one other time, but these are women that were considered, you know, some that might sweep for years and take home a lot of trophies. And they had so much pressure that, um, oh, I'm thinking of Li Na of China as well, mm-hmm. that the, just the pressure from their country, the pressure from globally and their own pressures, they just kind of burned out. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be really fun to watch her. And I just thought this ego, I just thought it was such a great attitude. And I'm going to try to incorporate it into my sports and into my life. Because again, I heard it growing up, have 
the greatest hope in life. There's the optimism, but the least expectations. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. But you know how when you go play, you hear about people or you're watching an athlete, they have nothing to lose because they're underdogs right. and they come out and just do so well. Yes. So to maintain that, even when they're stars. So let's work on that in tennis, even at our club level, even in our friendly tennis matches and see what we can do when we come out with the greatest hope, the least expectations and use a little bit of her sports psychology for our fun. And we'll see what else we can apply it to. Isn't the gal, the gal that we played with the other day, isn't that her uh, field also? She's a sports. No, no. Oh, you're talking about our mutual friend, Megan, who we play with and okay. she's so cute. And when we're getting drinks of water on the side, we'll all give her a chance to pontificate and give some life lessons. And she's pretty good. Well, I thought she really was one. Okay, no, but I was teasing. I said she's oh. my sports psychologist. She's so freaking cute. Well, I do okay. remember with ski racing when when Hunter and Michael were younger and even competing in tennis, there were, you know, some other athletes that were performing at a very high level and going on, and they were all visiting and working with a sports therapist. Oh, they were? Wow. And I thought when they, when I would first hear that, Cindy, the opposite of what you just shared, I was wondering in that field, would you be visualizing that success? But the way your mom's phrased is probably what I should have, is probably what I do internally. Like I, I see the success of it, but I don't want to, I don't want to share it with anybody because I'm, I don't want anyone to think that I'm that like convinced it's going to happen. And I also think it's very hard when you are in it and you're whatever that might be. And you're already bets are on you that you're going to win starting any kind of tennis match. I mean, I don't know how Djokovic and Nadal do that all the time. We're, we're expecting them to win all the time and they constantly perform. Like, let's talk about the men's. I didn't watch that whole match, but I saw the very end. Did you see it? I don't want to Yes, I saw it. I was blown away by what happened today because they're such rivals and they're so well matched one and two in the world, of course. Mm -hmm. And with Federer, they're the top three that have just dominated men's singles tennis for, you know, decades. For but ever. today was interesting. Rafa Nadal from Spain always wins the French Open. He's, he's, He's won now 13 French Open titles. Is it like 13 out of 15 or isn't it? Yes, yeah, he's, he's lost twice, but right. not in the final. It was like working his way up because of injury or something. Djokovic is just an unbelievable champion too. But he was not there today. Like he did not, his his amazing ability, Djokovic, did not show up, did it? It was not on at all. No. I, I didn't know if it was going to be one of those, like I didn't, I, I, after I watched it, I kind of left. And Charles and I were saying, now, will Djokovic say, hey, put it all in the doll, like what a great game and, and let him just relish and enjoy his moment? Or will he say, I didn't bring my game today? So I didn't hear the speeches because he didn't have his game at all. It was actually a boring. I mean, I thought Djokovic, it, it's like he wasn't there. You're right. I know. Usually they give us a finals like it's a production and you're on the edge of your seat and you're it's so exciting and really I close to five sets. This was three yes. straight sets that Nadal took. It's now I have to switch to really okay. quick a tennis. Since we're on tennis, a tennis injury. Colleen knows about this, but I want to share really quick. I'm going to try to tell the story so fast. But last week I caught 
kind of a rogue tennis ball with my left hand. It was coming a lot harder and faster than I thought. It was, um, I forget, somebody hit it and it was not a live ball, so I needed to catch it. And I jammed my ring finger on my left hand where, I, where we wear our wedding bands. And I, I jamming it, you know, obviously the two knuckles are jammed and now it's sore. It's not a break, but it's like a sprain. So I could tell my finger was swelling as I was finishing tennis that day. And I was worried about my rings getting stuck on my finger because I kind of wear my two bands, my eternity band and then my engagement band mm -hmm. tight anyway. Mm -hmm. And so there it was swelling up around my rings. So by the time I got home running cold water, icing it, None of that was going to do the trick. They were not going to budge. And so I had to make it. I mean, I tried all kinds of stuff with olive oil, lotion, da, da, da. And so I made an appointment to get my rings cut off. And my jeweler, where I do most of my shopping for jewelry locally, for sure, told me this was going to be bad. He would have to dismantle the infinity band that has the diamonds all around it and that it might hurt the ring and me, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I called a friend and mentioned Kristen, who um, has a doctor husband, as do you, Colleen. And then she also is a, um, what do you call that? Physician's assistant. She's a physician's assistant. Yeah. So she told me a trick that they do in the ER, which I wanted to share really quick because it worked for me. But I will tell you, it hurt like heck because I had to force the rings off, even with this awesome trick, because I just waited too long. Mm -hmm. So I want to give this quick tip. But you use dental floss. And you literally, with the rings on there, right? You wrap this swollen, bulbous finger as tightly as possible. And that sounds easier than it is. Ouch. And um, yeah, and then one ring came off and then, but the other, the uh, eternity band was on so tight. Took me several tries and olive oil. Oh my gosh, it was so hard, but I got them off. And so I just thought that was kind of a cool trick. I, uh, when you were sharing that earlier, you mentioned it. I did not take you seriously. I thought you were just being your funny, silly self, but I'm, okay. I'm envisioning what you're doing. You're making it so tight that you're, yeah. you're just, you're, you're in a lot of pain. I can imagine. Yeah, it hurts like heck. And then you just, were you using lotions and oils in addition to? Well, what, well, it's hard to wrap the floss tightly if you have oil on your fingers. Yeah. So the first step is to just make your finger as skinny as possible by forcing the swelling yeah. into this, this mummified finger. Wow. But, you know, it's like the swelling is popping out at different places. And then you have to roll that with the, with the floss. I mean, it's ridiculous. It sounds so silly, but it was an ordeal. It was and I got it off. Well, you know what? I like the tip. I'm going to remember it. I hope I don't need it, but I am going to tell everyone this. I want to say something about my Cindy over here when she hits a tennis ball, because <laughs> when you hit a tennis ball, I don't know how many miles an hour that baby's going, but there are so many times I played with Cindy on Saturday. I'm not exaggerating. My arm was so sore because a few times you have it that was. thought and I'm at the net and some of it is like, it's coming so fast at me. I'm, I'm always thrilled when I actually get my racket on the ball because the speed of it is like coming in the force of it in this, uh, but Cindy, I did, I came home and my tip is I had to take about three Motrin every six hours. Oh, I'm sorry, Colleen. No, not because you, no, I had sensitivity anyway. I really did. Because guess what? I was fishing, as I shared with you earlier. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. really was like, you know, when you're fishing, like, this is the one thing. Casting that 
run all the time. So I was already a little bit sore. So I was just, I want everyone to know he got one wicked ball. That is hysterical. Tell me something really quick. Motrin versus Advil or other ibuprofen. Why did you choose Motrin? Because it's what I had in the house because oh. <laughs> I, I, I really mean it. If it was like, it could have been, does it, isn't it like a lead Motrin Advil? Wait, I'm saying, yeah, I only had that. I'm kind of at a point right now where I, I, I'm not, I'm in, I'm moving again. Like I'm leaving here in a week. So I don't quite know where everything is. So I was running home and I'm like, is Charles, what's, are they? Yep. That's Motrin. You're fine. Tell us a little bit um, for your, um, don't you take, I take the Motrin if I have like a body ache. That's why I'm asking. I haven't ever taken it. You have like any sensitivity or your elbow or you're playing a lot of tennis and you do, maybe you don't ever get sore. That's when I take it. And I fortunately don't have to take it. I don't have a lot of aches and pains. Uh, but Cindy, you know what I, w- I wanted to remind or bring up because you brought it up our last podcast and it's a cute little topic and it's a happy note you were sharing about your sister who yeah. is a grandmother and her name is what, wait, I just saw her. Did she say Lala? What's, what's Lori's name? Uh, oh, Lori, my sister's grandchildren. She now has three because we just got, mm-hmm. she just got her new baby grandson, my my great nephew, um, they call her Yaya. Yaya. Yaya, 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 Yaya. No, that song. Na, 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 na. Okay, Yaya. Cute. Okay, so her daughter had a baby, and you were sharing with me a little bit about yeah, between when our sons, which were in the same boat, the two kings and the one queen. Yes, Colleen and I both have two sons and a daughter, and my sister does as well. My sister is Lori. And she has been lucky enough to be a grandmommy now for four years with a little granddaughter and now a one-year-old grandson who named her Yaga, the little girl. And she's had so much fun with him over these last four years. Interestingly, though, with this new baby grandson from her daughter, because the first two are from her son and his wife, she just spent time with the new baby grandson who's just a few weeks old. And she just was commenting and I had to share this Colleen and I decided, or we both decided to share it on the podcast that Lori really felt that with the waiting outside of the, you know, um, maternity ward for the baby's delivery for both coming home and helping with the baby as the mother adjusted those days, those precious days. And even a week after the birth, Lori was there for all three for equal time, but that it was so different, her experience and what she felt she could um, really be a part of. She felt less close in hindsight to what she was experiencing with the birth of her grandchildren from her son and his wife compared to now her daughter and her husband and their new baby. And just talking with Colleen about, should we have had more girls? <laughs> I am dying for grandchildren as most of us would be, right? And am I going to be well, only one daughter? To those grandchildren, can they? Ha- can we have the, you're having the grandchildren before the wedding? I'm only being silly about, whenever they'll come, they'll come. But, um, you know, I being in my, my family of origin, I am the only daughter and I had, my mom did travel to stay with me and she wasn't there for the birth. And it was, um, my, he came, Hunter came early. So I had two different experiences. Hunter was early and my mother was not able to be there till like 
I was home maybe seven days because it was a t it was an era like in the nineties where I was living in Seattle. It was yeah, she had bought her plane ticket. It was it was kind of it was just was hard to reschedule and pay the change fee. So that was but then my mother stayed with me until maybe like a month. She was there a really long time. And well, was, I rest my case. She yeah, was it was really, you know, and, and of course, Charles at the time, I do recall him being like, we were in a small condo. How long is your mother staying? And I remember like thinking now I'm kind of really, I was the patient. You shouldn't be asking me how long my mother's staying. My mother was helping us. Okay. And making sure she was running, like not only helping me with Hunter, but getting food. And it was like tremendous. Same thing with Michael. My mother never had that experience with my brothers. And when Michael was born, my mother was with me when he was born. So I don't think my mother, you know, we never really talked about it, but I know it was for her. And I, I guess she just, she, I, I also have to say my mom lives near my brothers, but my mother wasn't doing any overnights like that. And even if I had lived close by Cindy, that's kind of the benefit. I'm trying to like, like for Lori, when your daughter does live out of town versus around the corner, you might not stay as long either. It's different because you might just be going over for the day or maybe a few nights in the beginning. I don't know. Everybody's scenario is different, right? It just is. But I think you're naturally able to spend more time with your daughter's children, say things to your daughter just because you've had this lifelong relationship. My mother, the rules and regulations of being her daughter is very different than a daughter-in-law. It always has been, it always will be. My mother could come into my house and be like, do a load of laundry, do anything. And I would never be anything other than thank you so much for doing that. You just don't have that freedom. And I don't have a clue what it's gonna feel like. I'm sure it's gonna feel really different for me too. I don't know well, what I'll do like about said, that. We should have had more daughters. Oh my gosh, wait. I mean, I know, cause you know what? It's going to be, I don't, I don't even know, Cindy. I mean, I'm just laughing to myself. If you're close to your, your daughter's boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe it changes when they're married. I don't know. Well, Lori is close to her son, obviously, and his wife. We live in the same and that she said, honestly, it just did not, you know, when you just want to take that little baby and in that sense of freedom to just snuggle and take care and all of that that her, her um, daughter-in-law was just much more aware of Lori's every move yes. in those early days and kind of still, not that it's a slam, it's just different than her biological daughter or her, the daughter that she raised. It doesn't matter if yes. you adopt or if you give birth, if it's your daughter, you're close. And if it's their baby and they just naturally are comfortable, if you're close to your daughter, to have you care for their baby, it's just different, darn it. No, and you know, there's like also this, um, like I don't look at it, my mother, anything that she would have said as a negative and it can be misinterpreted by a daughter-in-law. And I, and I have, my mom has four daughter-in-laws and I know there's, it's definitely sensitive, there's sensitivity that I just don't have because she's my mother and I know her really well and her intentions are good. So if she's doing a load of laundry, it's because she's trying to help you. She's not saying you're a bad housewife. Oh, interesting. It's a little bit complicated because people, we all digest information differently. We take right. it on. So, and, and my mother, when I think about it, Cindy, this is hysterical. I can remember living in Memphis and being on the telephone. Now this was not like we, there was no FaceTime, you know, there wasn't even cell. I don't even think I had a cell phone. Did I? 
Did I have a cell phone then? I don't yes. recall, but yes. I think it was on my landline. I do think yes. I was more on my, we had portable phones. That was what I was probably on. And if my mother could hear Hunter or Michael fussing in the background, honestly, she would say, oh my gosh, I'll tell you what's wrong with him. It was like, she could say anything she wanted to me. She didn't quite know what was wrong, why he was fussing. He might've been on the high chair. Oh, you got it. He's hungry. He's, he needs more food. She, she would be a t- via distance like that. Still giving me advice. I love it. Things like that, that I'm like, and I'd be like laughing to myself thinking, I, I mean, it was a suggestion. I took it like, okay, maybe he's hungry. Maybe she's right. I mean, anything to help him or not have him cry. Right. It's it. it that it, is the cutest thing. Well, I'll tell you, um, my mother and I have been, my mom isn't with us anymore, as I've talked and lamented about on this podcast. It's now been seven years and it's still, it's terrible to not have her here. I miss her every day. No, you do. Boy, did I have a great relationship. Thank you, God. And I lucked out. Um, But when I had my three children, she was there, even though we're all, we were all in Sun Valley. And she would spend the night. Wow, she did. Okay. And hang out for a few nights. It was so much fun. And as you had multiple children, wasn't it nice to have mom there, not only to help you rest and take the newborn, but also to take care of your older children. And it was just such a beautiful thing. You know what I'm going to do, Colleen? First of all, I'm going to try to have the greatest hope, but the least expectations about my relationship with my daughter. Daughter Advice from a really good friend named Cindy. You're right, Karen. I, I know that advice. You're right. Let's do that. I like that. We okay, I'm going to try to apply it to a lot of things. I really, really like it because I think of, you know, optimism and the cup half full and all of that and just mental toughness and prayer and meditation and everything's always positive thinking. But sometimes it's okay to say, yeah. hey, we've got nothing to lose here. Take some freaking pressure off and just lower the expectations, but keep the same high lofty hope and prayer for good. But anyway, the point I'm making is here it is ready. Here's my great advice for myself. And you can hear it right now. Even if I don't like my daughter's in-law, and I can say this because neither of my boys are in serious relationships right now. So I'm in no danger of hurting anyone that I know of right now. I'm going to fake like I do. If the boys bring home someone that I'm not thrilled about, I'm going to keep my big mouth shut just in case they end up married to them because I want to hold those babies. You know what, Cindy? That is one of the smartest things I've heard you say. You're right. Every (laughs) potential girl that walks through the door could ultimately be your daughter-in-law or my daughter-in-law. And I say the same thing. I'm like, I just have to really watch my P's and Q's. But sometimes, you know, I say things like, I don't even, I can't help how someone might process it, but I'm going to try to really work hard at that too. And I do, because Hunter has a really lovely, sweet girlfriend and I absolutely love Sarah and I I see it being so wonderful, but maybe what I'm going to do is take the approach and just wish and hope and just be prepared. I want to tell you Start buttering her up now. (laughs) You want to hold this? Oh, I have to tell you, I tried to, okay, when we were talking, we were we were with Hunter and Sarah in the fall, Cindy. And this was like, you know, they were talking to her, her, well, that was it. Her cousin had had a baby and I was listening to her going on. And Wait, they, in the fall is right now. You no, mean the last, last fall we were with oh, a year 2019, ago. excuse me. Okay. A year ago, say, and Sarah's cousin had had a baby and she was going on about, oh, this darling little baby and, and how much her mother and her love babies. And I'm like, oh, I know. And, and then Hunter sort of 
oh, I don't really such a baby guy. And then Charles is like, yeah, I don't really like babies. And here I'm like in the background, oh, I love baby, but I can't even get a word in, Cindy, okay? Meanwhile, now I'm like thinking, I told Hunter and Charles afterwards, you two blew it for me. All we had to hear is that you two don't like newborn babies. You don't like babies. You like two-year-olds. I like babies. I want to be able to hold the baby. Okay, I'm going to be. So it's funny you were saying that. And then the other thing I want to tell you, do you know when I went to Memphis? Guess what happened there? You know what those Southern ladies told me? When I had my baby, I had myself a night, a night nanny. All oh. the girls down there get a night nanny. And the biggest treat was to have a night nanny when I came home. And so I hear I was like, oh, they're only doing it in the South. But I had one and I will tell you, not only was the good night sleep great for me, it was great for my mother. So I had somebody come for about oh. two weeks and she would come at 11 o'clock at night and she would knock on the door at seven. Well, I thought here I was so lucky this summer no names mentioned, but I have two girls. I introduced them. They're new mothers. I think, oh my gosh, they're both working here through COVID. Their husbands are working here. They both had babies. Guess what I found out? They're, they had the night nannies all lined up. In Sun they, Valley? In Sun Valley. Wow. Yep. So that's also another little, that is the luxury. But I'm going to tell you what a, what a gift I think it is. I think it's a perfect shower gift for a number of women to get in, you know, to pull some money if they want to do and treat even if it's for a few nights, because the, the hardest part I thought of having a baby, because every baby was different. If you had a C-section or if you had a tour, you're really not well. Like I only had one night in the hospital with my insurance for Hunter and Michael. And I had Hunter at eight one morning and I was back home by myself the next day. I, it was a really, I was not well for a long, I just was not well. And then my mother didn't come sit till seven days. So the sleep deprivation was the hardest adjustment. Did you find Oh, absolutely. Of course. So that, oh you know what, now you, how you get to be the best mother, mother-in-law in the world, you get the night nanny. Either that or <laughs> I will be the night nanny. You could be the night nanny. They can hire you. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so cute. See, I didn't do the night nanny because I was mm -hmm. so overly protective that I didn't trust anyone to have my baby at night while I'm sleeping. Isn't that crazy? Other than a family member. Well, we already know that about you, honey. I'm that is, I, I just, maybe I should, I wouldn't be as overly protective had I been in the South. Maybe that would have been a gentle. Well, you know what? It was to learn it. But Cindy, if it makes you feel any better. Yes, I did have that, but I still got up in the middle of the night. Did you not do this all the time to make sure they were breathing? Yes. You're like, Oh my gosh. Like Charles would say, why are you going in there again? I'm like, I can't help <laughs> I just can't help myself. I want to make sure he's breathing. It's like, you know, I you love can, this. You know, I, you know I, what mothers are doing I, now too, Cindy? They're in bed with their monitors and they're just looking at that baby and hearing that. I mean, I was busy running back up the stairs into the room, tiptoeing in. No, it's so different. I've been around some young mothers. I'm like, this is a no brainer. I'm in the living room. And they're like, we're at the table all, and they have the baby on the phone and the baby's fine. And because they have a camera on there now. The camera's on there and then they can actually hear them pretty well. And it's like, okay. And then, oh, what's every week? There's an app that tells you what you should expect from your baby, what your Aww. baby should be doing. So it's a lot of coaching and all we're going to do is, what's your mom's phrase again? I'm going to visualize and hope for that. 
Well, Ika, who won the French Open, said her sports psychologist said to have low expectations because having that extra pressure is too much. My mother would always say, have the greatest hope, but the least expectations. Greatest hope. So that incorporates all that positive thinking and prayer and meditation and visualization and manifestation, all that lovely positive stuff that we are about. That is the greatest hope. But then this idea of not putting so much pressure on yourself or the situation, you have low expectations. And I think we, I mean, Colleen, you have a very high EQ, that emotional intelligence. I think you, you told us that you probably have been doing this naturally. I feel like my daughter, Christine, does it naturally. I watch her in her relationship with her boyfriend, even. She's the one of my three that is in a relationship that is something to pay attention to. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To um, consider is really special. But anyway, I just watch her even there at a young age like this, kind of doing that, even with her relationship with him and college and things like that. She kind of keeps the hope and the prayer and everything but she does not overwhelm herself with a sense of super high expectations. Mm -hmm. And I just love that this came up today at the French open, or it was actually yesterday and that I could share it here on the podcast. So thanks for listening. I can't believe we ended up talking about babies today, even though it's in the context of some days soon we'll be grandmothers and we're going to be so happy. Guess what? I just got notification of, which I know we're, we're wrapping up anyway, or soon I'm going to, I'm sad we have to go, but there is a, a football game on tonight. It happens to be Sunday night. The Seahawks are playing and Charles has made dinner. Guess what we're having for dinner. I'm really trying to guess we're right now. Football food. When okay. Hot dogs. Well, we, you know, I love the hot dogs. I, I like a hot dog in the summer, but no, Cindy, we were having nachos. He's made dinner. He's gotten the, he's got his little cheese out. He's got the salsa. He's got his peppers. He's got, so he just notified me dinner's ready. So we're, we sit by the TV. I don't stay very long with him by the television. Cause I don't love the game as much as he does, but we have football food when there's, you know, football Sunday. You guys are so cute. Tell well, him you know I know it's going to be a simple little something. Now I know you're going to have a big tennis week and I'm going to miss you every day because I'm going to continue. I've got another zoom class. I'm going to tell you class the whole week, um, but we're going to be thinking of you. Hard for me, but hopefully I'd be, I will be able to sit I'm it's the studying and it's sitting there indoors which I don't like I don't I didn't realize much I I have a lunch break don't get me wrong and I always go out at my lunch break and I walk around but I was saying to my mother I am so grateful that I have not had to sit in an office my entire life and I want to say for everybody that's done that I am so proud of you but make sure you get outside and get some fresh air it's just not good for the soul Oh, so well, in, congrats on all the work you're doing and passing the first exam. So just you. really quick, we might as well just do a little bit of this um, uh, planning while we're on our, our podcast for one more second bit. Good luck with the second week of classes. Thank you. I'm going to see you Friday night as a send off before I go to California and you go boondogging the very soon after. So will I see you for pickleball instead of tennis right on Friday afternoon or how late? How late do you get out of class on Friday? Um, I get out at 5.15. So we want to oh, start. Oh, actually, getting- excuse me. I have a test on Friday. I will be earlier. I'll be out probably by four. Okay. So we want to start pickleball on the early side. And then we have all kinds of exciting things with a nice group. Okay. After that. Um, I know. I'm looking forward to that. Everyone have a great week. Enjoy this beautiful fall weather. You know, I, I think, I think everyone, I think the favorite season for 
most people is the fall. So live it up and enjoy the colors. Love you, Sin. Bye-bye. Love everyone. you guys.